Hi everyone, my name is Amber. And I'm Kayla. And you just walked into a Best Buds Book Club meeting. Howdy, y'all. <laughs> howdy, howdy, howdy. I'm not gonna do howdy. <laughs> Reminds me of that scene in Toy Story when the when the shark comes out of the toy bin and he's wearing Woody's hat and he's like, howdy, howdy, howdy. <laughs> I love that scene. I love it. It's a good movie. All right, Kayla. Yes, ma'am. You got your 10 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> yes. This week I wanted to put air in my tires and I didn't do that. <laughs> and i you know what i did though i made myself a checklist of all the things that i wanted to get done and i did three of the probably eight items that i put on there (laughs) and one one Uh, of them wasn't put air in your tires no and one of them actually was not put air in my tires one of them was do laundry which i did uh one of them was change all my bedding which i did so yeah i mean i feel pretty accomplished Good job. This week, yeah. Proud of you. Thank you. What about you? So I had a nice fancy dinner with Brian on Valentine's Day. Nice. On Valentine's Day. On Valentine's Day? And where'd you go on Valentine's Day? On Valentine's Day, I went to a place called Four Flamingos. It's like a celebrity chef or something. I had raw scallops, and that was all my fault. I shouldn't have gotten raw scallops. No, you know what? Everything else was pretty good. The bread was banging. The hush poppies was banging. The pinchos were banging. All right, so it wasn't that bad besides the scallops. The big old ravioli. The ravioli? Not banging. Not banging? What was inside of it? Crab and ricotta, but that wasn't the problem. (sighs) It's that the the restaurant's like a a Florida-inspired restaurant. Uh Uh-huh. I don't know. Like I feel like they think that Floridians just put key lime pie filling in all their food (laughs) because everything was very sweet. All of it or just the ravioli? A lot of things were sweet. Well, I mean, it wasn't too bad. I'm telling you that the the scallops, just the fact that they were raw was not my favorite, but also the sauce that it was in was very sweet. And then my ravioli was in a sweet sauce, but everything else was really good. The dessert was good. The drinks were really good. Yeah. They were really cute. So let's just jump right in because we have a lot to talk about. We are going to be covering parts three and parts four of The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue by V.E. Schwab. We begin part three of The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue with another image on the page right before the start of the chapter. Because it seems like every image that we've seen so far kind of ties in to what we read in that part of the book. So what did you think that this item kind of meant and how it would tie into part three? Uh, well, so this one's a lot different than the last ones. It's a book. It says it's an untitled sketch, mm-hmm. whereas the other ones are like a sculpture, painting. I don't know. This one was very confusing because it has like some people in the sketch that are supposedly well-known, probably fictitious people. They're able to name two of them, but the third one is a woman with a freckled face. So obviously that's Addie. Right. So it's just another example of Addie. Leaving her mark through art. Yeah, for sure. So our story picks back up on July 29th, 1724. Addie is still in Paris and is taken to dressing like a man. And we know that kind of during this time period, women are not generally allowed to wander the streets alone. I can't imagine being a woman 
and not being able to go anywhere. But also, I feel like it has to do with being safe. We're in a time period where laws aren't really as solid as they are now. Right. And then if a woman gets raped and she's not a whore, then she's spoiled and she can't be wetted off. And then she's basically, she's got to live her life as a whore. Right. This is what's basically prompting Addie to dress like a man. Um, That way she kind of has that freedom to move about Paris Mm -hmm. without feeling like she is being scandalous, which I guess really wouldn't matter because we know that the moment people look away from her, they don't even remember. So it's not like they'll have enough time to run and say, oh, look at that that woman. She's walking down the street by herself. Um, I think Addie likes to avoid the situation altogether is what it seems like. I think it truly makes her invisible. Right. Because if you're just a a young boy, nobody's looking at you. I think she wants to somewhat be invisible when she can. She wants to be able to control that. So since she can't control how people view her just all the time, Mm -hmm. she can control people's gaze. That makes sense. I didn't really think about it like that. Mm -hmm. Good perspective. I like that. So it's been four years since she's seen Luke. Well, I obviously think that Addie didn't expect Luke to show up because it's been four years. So I think she got to a point where she or she was trying not to expect him. Mm-hmm. She's trying to give new meaning to the anniversary of her curse, mm-hmm. trying to like take ownership of it and control it herself. Whereas whenever Luke shows up, he derails her. And then bam, Addie meets Remy, who she considers to be the man that she loses her true virginity to. I think he's a a parallel character to our modern day Henry. Mm -hmm. He looks at Addie and he sees Addie. Right. Whereas like everybody else looks at Addie, they see her and then they forget her. Obviously he forgets her too, but he sees through her disguise as a man Mm -hmm. and he sees her and he wants to get to know her. And I think that's literally what happens is she's having such a great time and then all of a sudden she gets derailed. They go to sleep, wake up. Remy forgets her. Right. Mistakens her for a prostitute. And I, I will say, he was very courteous. I know. At least he paid the woman. He was a gentleman through and through. He, he was like, ooh, I got to pay her, though. That was so sad. I felt so bad for her. Addie kind of just gets, like you said, like derailed constantly. And it just feels really sad that she would meet this super sweet guy, uh, him be another person that forgets her. It's kind of like PTSD for her when she wakes up in somebody else's house. And I think that brings back those memories from Remy, which was her first. I don't know. I almost want to say that he's her first real love. Right. Because even though she couldn't really get to know somebody over a long period of time, she got to know him probably over the longest period of time that she could get to know somebody an entire day. And they had such a great time. And then all of a sudden... He doesn't remember her. And she, I think, was maybe hoping that maybe some sort of like Sleeping Beauty sort of thing that she meets her true love and she kisses him and he right. breaks the spell. But I totally thought that as well. Yeah. I was like, dang it. Why it isn't it Remy so sweet? <laughs> but you would think, though, that after 300 years of no one remembering you, that it would teach you patience. Mm-hmm. Yet here is Addie buzzing with anticipation of seeing Henry again. So that way she can kind of really dig into why this specific person of all the people that she's ever come across can remember her and even allow her to say her name. Because not only can he say her name, but she was able to give him her name. She's probably really scared and worried that somehow Henry remembering her is like possibly Luke playing another cruel trick on her, which I mean, I wouldn't put it past him. He's manipulator. Yeah, a total manipulator. 
She even says, what if they spend too long apart? And what if it was just a, a fluke, a cruel joke? I do believe that she thinks that Luke may have something to do with this, that he's just messing with her, that is causing him to remember her past like a whole day. And she's thinking, well, there's no way. So I think she's more excited to just see if it works. I don't think she really cares about Henry at this point. I think she more so wants to just know if she can find a loophole out of it. Yeah. And then, obviously, there might be some more later. And hopefully, I mean, I feel like if it was me after 300 years, I'd, I'd, I would take anyone. <laughs> I don't care if it's <laughs> Henry. I, I'll take anyone. And that's kind of why, like, she gets so attached to Luke at mm-hmm. certain points throughout their anniversary meetings. It's because she literally doesn't have anyone else. Right. So back in 2014, we see Addie meet B. Now, of course, B doesn't remember Addie from the day that Addie stole the Odyssey. She's really someone that Henry leans on. Mm-hmm. He even trusts her enough to run the store, which he mentions in the book. Um, he, he says it's like it's his whole livelihood. It's his second home. He basically owns the store. So I feel like if I owned a business that was important to me, and although it's just to, you know, the readers, a bookstore, it's a really big thing for him. So the fact that he trusts her to manage that when he's away is a really big thing. <laughs> so Henry and Addie embark on their date with Henry telling her that he's taking her to a speakeasy. And just a side note. I'm sorry. Was it a, a speakeasy? Is it not a speakeasy? It's a speakeasy, but is it a, a speakeasy? <laughs> okay. I'll a, say it again. A speakeasy? Speakeasy. Where are we going to a speakeasy tonight? I'm so excited to go to the speakeasy. 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 Am I saying that right? Speakeasy. Speakeasy. But it's like one word, speakeasy. Yeah, speakeasy. But you didn't say that. Okay, anyways. (laughs) Amber and I actually just went to a speakeasy over the weekend, and it was amazing. What? We just went to a speakeasy. We went to Mathers. Is that a speakeasy? Kind of. It's in that bookshelf thing. Oh, yeah. So I thought we could talk about that for a second. Oh, yeah. That was super cute. It had, uh, it was all done up for Valentine's Day. So it had rose petals on the floors and the tabletops. And it was really, really fun. I met another Amber. It's always exciting. You always have to bond with somebody who shares your name. Yeah. It was endearing. It was. This very sweet moment. And when he mentions this, Addie thinks of a specific memory in the past. We don't know the year. It doesn't actually specify. But her and Luke are dancing. And she refers to this memory as the beginning and the end of everything. I felt like that was kind of foreshadowing. Like like they started their cursed journey together. And it's possible that they're going to be ending their cursed journey together. Girl, why are you thinking about an entity while you're on a date with Henry? (laughs) Excuse me? (laughs) i actually you know what now that i'm thinking about it i actually suspected luke in one of his many ways of manipulating Addie. he possibly may have convinced her to be romantic with him in some sort of way right she doesn't get a lot of like genuine interactions with people so and i'm sure that she probably doesn't enjoy whoring around right you know, she gets money out of it and she learned how to get out of it by, you know, poisoning them. But when she's thinking about this, the darkness smiles against her skin and draws her onto a floor to dance. And it is the beginning and the end of everything. 
has she mentioned that Luke and her have physically touched at any point? Because I feel like this is just speculation. Mm -hmm. He's manipulating her. Obviously, I'm sure that he doesn't really get anything pleasurable out of having sex with her. If he being does. with her, right? Because right. he's not even a a person. He's right. he's a shadowy entity that's taking him taking form. human form, right? So it's like, how does that work? I think that he may have done that and that's what she's talking about. She's saying that was the beginning and the end of everything where she started giving herself to him and I think maybe that's what's making her kind of use people. I don't know. It almost feels like it's Stockholm Syndrome. Yes, it almost feels like it's Stockholm Syndrome. He's manipulating her and he's making her dependent on him and so mm -hmm. she's literally getting to a point where even she's though she right falling in love even though she doesn't feel like she is she's craving his attention mm -hmm. and she she like wants to be near him and so i just feel like that's really icky because he's obviously not a good guy well it's the he's the only person that she can emotionally get attached to because in order to be emotionally attached to somebody they have to pretty much remember you <laughs> It's at this point in the book where we kind of see a sort of shift in Henry's character. There's definitely something going on with him below the surface, especially when he makes the comments to Addie about feeling like his time is, quote, surging by so fast in a not normal way. So we do come to find out uh, in a few chapters that Henry is cursed and his curse is going to last him a lifetime. Do you feel like that's why he kind of feels that time is going by so fast for him. Because, I mean, I feel like a lifetime is pretty long. You get a good 80 years, you know, if you take care of yourself. There are some sort of parallels to the way that Henry views life and to the way that Addie in the beginning viewed life. Right. Like I mentioned in the last podcast episode, the author does a lot of repetition and there was actually a part where Henry was thinking to himself, blink and half your life is gone. And that reminded me of the time that Addie was thinking about Isabel way back in the 1700s and said to herself, blink, and one year is gone, blink, and five more. Right. So I think that they view time very similarly, but the fact that Addie now has pretty much an infinite amount of time, however long she can handle, she doesn't think about it anymore. And Henry, who just got his curse recently, who has just been cursed, I don't know that he actually knows how long it's going to be. So maybe that's why he's so concerned about it. I know he says to Addie that this curse is for a lifetime. But during the first interaction that Henry had with Luke when he first got cursed, uh, Luke didn't actually tell Henry what the parameters of his curse was. Right. Or his, his deal. That's what they, yeah, they call the deal. deal. Just like when Addie first made her deal, he didn't tell her what the parameters of it was. He just said deal. And then she woke up. And then she figured out a little bit and then he explained to her. We haven't gotten to any point yet where Luke interacts with Henry again after the, the deal. So we don't know if he has then explained it because Henry's reaction when Addie asks how long, he says to her a lifetime and then follows up in his own thoughts, well, not technically a lie. So what does that even mean? Now, just jumping back to the past really quickly. We find Addie and Remy having a wonderful day of talking, laughing, and it's not often that you find an educated man of this time period that is so open to understanding the inner makings and feelings of a woman. But it also feels kind of cruel and makes me think, what if Addie had not been forced to marry Roger and found Remy naturally? 
I do know that this is 10 years after her curse, so she would technically be 33. Right. So she'd be like a cougar if she like, met up with him. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know. If Addie met up with him and didn't make her deal with Luke, she could have probably had a good life. Right. Because he was so sweet. He was thoughtful, and I feel like he could have been a guy that let Addie be herself and express herself, mm-hmm. and he wouldn't hold her back. I do agree that Remy is the type of person who I feel like if Addie was able to actually form a, a real relationship with, I think that he would be that more open-minded sort of guy from the past because right. I think that he saw Addie wearing men's clothing and she was like, ooh, this is a very interesting woman. Because I feel like Addie is totally capable of love. She wants to be in love and I think she values relationships because throughout the what we've read so far she's had relationships with toby and relationships with sam and now henry so i feel like if she had met remy sooner she definitely would have been cool with just living her one short life i mean but then i don't know maybe because i know she wanted to see it all and you can't really see it all in however long you lived true back in the 1700s well i think she was just being selfish when she said that she wants to see it all because she was suppressed and wasn't able to see anything yeah so i think she was just kind of exaggerating when she said that and unfortunately that's what got taken literal switching back to henry and addie's day in 2014 we see addie taking henry to this underground club known as the fourth rail Addie chooses this place because she has a special connection to it. So she actually is the one who incepted this idea into the owner's head. And I like that up until now, the little things that she's been planting have gotten bigger and bigger. I didn't know if you noticed that. Mm -hmm. Um, It starts with like the bird sculpture and then it's Toby's song and then it's Sam's portrait. And now it's this whole club that people get to go to and actively enjoy on a daily basis. So it almost feels like the author is ramping up to something even bigger than a song or a nightclub. Do you have any ideas of what you think that might be? Well. 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 Well, well, well. Well. Well, well, well. Tell me your thoughts. A penny for your thoughts. I do think that it's going to get better. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna get better. <laughs> it's gonna get better before it gets worse. <laughs> I, I do think that that her impact and her mark is going to continue, and it's going to get bigger. And we do see that Addie eventually gets to make a more personal mark. We don't talk about that right now. Right, we'll save that for the end. So after the club, Addie and Henry find themselves stumbling into his apartment, and to put it plainly... Ooh la la. <laughs> they have sex. Ooh. <laughs> that felt weird saying. Why? <laughs> and this is what different... What are you, like, five? <laughs> no. Just pretend it's Explicit Friday. Oh, it's Explicit Friday. Got it. And this is different for Addie for several reasons. So one of them is that... She says that her and Henry don't fit together perfectly the way her and Luke did. And let me tell you, I had a lot of thoughts when I read this. I knew that there was some reason why I was thinking that. And I couldn't remember when we were talking about them dancing. Right. And this is actually what I think it is. Thank you for jogging my memory. I do think that Addie and Luke have done the deed. (laughs) Why is this happening? What? Why are they together? (laughs) Amber, ew. So this is pretty much the author confirming a relationship between Addie and the darkness 
it can't possibly be a relationship like a man and a woman has. It's more like predator and prey. Who knows how long this entity has existed? He, again, he's not even a human. He He's taking on a form that Addie created when she was younger. So that's already weird. Like, come on, dude. He, he does that because he knows that she likes that. And it gets to her. And obviously she's very attracted to him. She has to be because she literally fantasized about him. Right. There's no way, even though he's like some POS who literally ruined her life, she still looks at him and she sees the Luke that she envisioned. So she obviously, obviously has some emotional attachment to the figure, to the form. And just like he said before, he's like, I like this this figure and I think you do too. And he doesn't just think that. He knows that. The part where she says that Henry and her don't fit together the same way that Luke and her did. Right. I think that the reason why she has that feeling that her and Luke fit together better is because she has an emotional, emotional attachment already. So I think when she was younger and she was fantasizing about Luke before he became Luke the Darkness, she was fantasizing about having sex with him right so obviously luke the demon knows about that because how would he have known to take on this form he must know everything about addy already right he always knows everything about addy even though he's not physically there he was able to recreate that for her and i think that nostalgia maybe is what what she's looking for i get it i get what you're saying Mm mm-hmm that I mean, nostalgia is what's attracting her and, right. and keeping her in his grasp. And now he's, I mean, a tangible. Like, he wasn't anything. He was just a figment of her imagination. He couldn't really talk to her or touch her or kiss her. And now she's actually got the whole thing right in front of her. So it's like... And obviously he's going to make it as perfect as possible because he wants to keep Addie tied around his finger. Right. So another reason that we know that this is going to be different is because this is not the end of this interaction with Henry like we've seen with Addie's past lovers. This is actually the beginning and that is super terrifying and exciting for Addie. But my thoughts about this whole relationship are kind of back and forth because on one hand I want to believe that Addie really likes Henry for Henry Mm -hmm. and he seems like a sweet guy. But I also think that him specifically remembering her plays a huge part in her feelings towards him. And I almost feel like she likes him for the convenience and likely wouldn't give him a second thought if she, you know, saw him walking down the street. Do you agree or? Um, yeah, a hundred percent. But um, actually, before we talk about that, you said something and I wanted to touch on that. That this is not the end of the interaction with Henry, that it's just the beginning. And I actually think differently. I think with all her other past lovers, she was able to begin and end, begin and end so many times that either she was able to make it perfect or she was able to get like new things and experiences out of it. Right. And in 300 years, she has not once been able to continue a relationship and I think that's what scares her the most is that he remembers her and she can't redo whatever it is that she may have done wrong right. or said wrong yeah I think she actually tells him that she scouts art or something and when she tells him that she remembers oh not remembers but she thinks in her mind like dang I, I've just locked myself into this this is it I, I'm now an, an 
art person. So yeah, that's that's totally a, a valid point that you're making. And then your point about, well, you think that if she were to see him on the street that she may not give him a second look. And I 100% agree. I think Addie is a user. Yeah. <laughs> she uses people. She's always using people. And it's sad and unfortunate because that's her situation. She has no other choice. It's a survival technique. And she's used this technique over and over again in the last 300 years. And she uses all these different men. Uh James, the guy that was like a celebrity or something. Yeah. Then there was another guy, an author. I don't remember what his name was. She stole money from his apartment. And then she basically said to herself, oh, yeah, I saw the articles in the news. Yeah, he he's just very- closed on that uh, book deal. He's good. He's right. He does. He's $20. not going to miss it. He's not yeah. going to miss the, the 220s I took. This reminds me of the time back in France in Addie's past when she was basically squatting in that rich person's house and she was eating their food and wearing their things and moving moving stuff and luke the darkness said to her do you think that your actions don't have consequences what do you think that is going to happen to the servants when these wealthy people come home and they see that their stuff has been moved they're obviously not going to think that it's some random girl who can't be remembered in my house moving my stuff around they're going to think that it was one of the servants and what do you think is going to happen to them i believe that ali ali who is this Allie girl? Who's Allie? We just keep talking about Allie. Who's like, this Allie on. girl? Who is she? <laughs> but Addie doesn't take into consideration other people. She's very where she only thinks about herself because that's her that's her survival mechanism is she has to look for her look after herself. She can't think about other people because they're not thinking about her. Right. I think that as we've progressed through the different parts of the book, I'm kind of seeing this more and more because when you first talked about it, on our last episode, I was like, no, I, I like Addie. Like, you know, she's doing her best. But now I am really kind of seeing that she can easily, on her own, be a type of manipulator. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I kind of worry about Henry. Does she really like Henry for Henry? Or does she like him because he's the only person that can remember her? You know, if it was a 40-year-old man instead of this similarly aged guy like her like would she you know kind of start that type of relationship with him as well or how would that work she would yeah so it's it's kind of crazy i totally think that she would yeah Addie takes advantage of whatever she can because she doesn't have a lot she doesn't have a lot of possessions she doesn't have the ability to make money she doesn't have the ability to do a lot of modern day things like use the internet have a credit card hold down a job open a bank account purchase a car she needs these people for what they can offer her. Yeah. Between the night with Henry, Addie thinks back on her past again and her night with Remy that ended in a massive bust. And this actually prompts Luke to finally appear. Not because he cares that it's their anniversary. He's not like, hey, girl, what's up? I missed you. Happy <laughs> anniversary. Here's some flowers. But because he wants to rub this downfall in her face. Here we see Luke providing Addie with yet another opportunity to relinquish her soul and Addie with another opportunity to basically tell him to go away because she's not giving up her soul. But Luke doesn't come to visit with his usual quips this time. He actually comes to tell her that not only was he there on the night of their third anniversary, but he knows how much she secretly looks forward to her visits with him and is going to punish her by staying away even longer. 
And I just wonder if he treats all of his helpless victims this way. I think it may just be Adi because she's extremely stubborn. Really? Because the way that he presents it each year, it's almost like he forgets how stubborn she is. I think that he just assumes that she's going to eventually break. Right. And he knows so much about Addie. How does he not know this part? That she's extremely stubborn and she's not just going to give up. But I'm really glad that this doesn't deter Addie, uh, this interaction that she has with Luke, because it actually, um, she turns to reading. She, when she was with Remy, she stole his uh, pamphlet of the Voltaire story. And this actually keeps her company. And it's really great because this is what kind of inspires her love of reading. So it's actually a really good thing that Luke kind of came and tried to frazzle her because it kind of set her back on her path. So moving forward past Addie and Henry's loved up days together and Henry ends up inviting Addie to a dinner party at B's house and Addie knows that this could be kind of the end of the bubble that she's been living in with Henry and it's scaring her. And I honestly felt like when I read this section that Addie's kind of selfish because she isn't really thinking about what's best for Henry. She's kind of only thinking about keeping him close. And I feel like if the roles were reversed and it was Henry that was cursed, do you think it would be fair if he was dragging her into kind of his mess of a an eternal life? Because her life is not perfect. It's really messy. It's scattered. She doesn't have anything. She doesn't have a home. She's kind of like a... I don't want to describe her as a leech. She is. But she's leechy. <laughs> I mean, she leeches off of people. So Mooch. do you feel like, I mean, do, I, I just, I know we talked about it already, but I just don't feel like she's doing right by Henry. I honestly don't think it's that big of a deal. I think the fact that nobody in his life can remember her, I feel like maybe eventually down the line it could cause tension because, well, they don't need to like get married or anything, but right. I wonder if Addie can like have children. Or anything like that? Like, if they wanted to, like, start a family? I wonder if she could. I don't know. I, I'm thinking very, very far ahead. I feel like, oh, maybe that's how it ends. They have a child, and the child looks like Addie. The dinner party goes extremely well. I was kind of secretly hoping it'd be a train wreck, just to kind of see <laughs> how that all play out. But it actually goes really well. Um, It does start off with B not remembering Addie. Of course. Henry does kind of notice this and thinks it's odd, but he doesn't really, like, think too much into it. He doesn't pry. Right. He's not like, what the heck's going on? Um, But Addie somehow gets away with the perfect heist, and she loves these small moments of normalcy, something that she hasn't had um, as an adult because, I mean, she became an adult. They were going to marry her off to Roger, so she really hasn't had this, these little blips of a normal life. Again, we don't really know how his curse is gonna work i don't know that he's gonna live to 80 Mm -hmm. it's just my assumption but do you think that if addy is truly in love with him and really wants to be with him and this is the only guy potentially for the rest of her infinite lifetimes that's gonna remember her that she'd want to kind of go when he goes maybe i mean yeah sure (laughs) (laughs) sure yeah i mean i think so (laughs) So the only thing that's a possible worry to me, though, is Robbie, who is Henry's friend and lover mm-hmm. from the past. Robbie. Robbie. Uh, you can totally tell from the way that he approaches Addie throughout the night that he does not like her at all, even though she hasn't actually done anything to wrong him in any way. Mm-hmm. Like, I know he's his friend, but it almost just seems like 
he's this constant reminder of a failed relationship and I feel like I wouldn't want that kind of person in my life. I, I do think it's odd that he still hangs with Robbie. Mm-hmm. I know that they're friends from high school and everything, but I don't know. I just feel like it's weird. He was with Tabitha for two years. Right. I mean, we find that out eventually. And when they broke up, they didn't stay friends. But, I mean, I guess there's a difference between, like, a childhood friend and, like, somebody that you meet later on in life. Right. Since it wasn't a mutual breakup between Robbie and Henry, and Robbie seems to be more together than Henry is. Right. Henry is just a hopeless romantic. Somebody who just can't get his life together, doesn't know what he wants. But he does know some things. Like, he knows that he wants to be with people. He may not handle those relationships appropriately because that's why some relationships fall apart and relationships don't get upkept. The relationship with Robbie is kind of like that. Going back. Addie is lying in wait for Madame Joffrine to come by because she's actually her golden ticket into the salon, which is this lavish party where the social elite come together to discuss art, literature, politics, science, you name it. Where women get to be men. Exactly. Where women are included in the conversation. Um, And it's super awesome that Addie actually found this group because she gets to really immerse herself in all things here. And it actually made me think back to Addie's mom and what she would think of Addie in a place like this. Oh, her mom would have a conniption. Right. I thought so, too. (laughs) She'd be like, "Uh, girl, you're supposed to be like washing the laundry right now. Why are you talking to Voltaire about pamphlets and books and stuff? So She's going to be like, is art going to feed your belly? Right. Is art going to feed Roger's three children? (laughs) (laughs) So... But then comes Luke, of course, making an appearance after another six years away from her. And he actually gets her kicked out of the salon. But this is so pivotal, and I'm so glad that he did this because without knowing it, he's actually given Addie a clue as to how she can leave her mark behind. Ideas are wilder than memories, Addie thinks to herself. And Luke, although very cocky from just kind of the interactions that we've had with him, somehow managed to let this big thing slip so do you think this is accidental like he actually didn't realize that he was giving her this information or do you no. think this is going to be another plot this is definitely luke being luke really being a shady little manipulator obviously he knows he's not he's not stupid he knows what he's doing i feel like he didn't mean to say it and he's just gotten so comfortable around her that he mm. just let it slip out of his mouth what he said Honestly. Nah, I think he did. I right. think he knew what he was saying. I don't know what he his plan is for that. Right. I do think that he's very particular. I don't think he would have just said something and not thought about how he was saying or what he was saying. He may have said that in a way to make it seem like he didn't know what he was saying and to maybe plant that idea in Addie's head. Like he's inceptioning her? He's <gasps> definitely inceptioning her. Making it seem like she found a loophole but he really just gave it to her her. right Hmm. um this leads us back to 2014 and we find Addie and henry actually running into robbie as the pair shop at a store and this ends up leading to an explosion of events that have been building up for a while we obviously knew that Addie wouldn't be able to escape you know having to tell henry about her curse forever and so it finally comes out and she decides to tell him 
Do you feel like she did the right thing by telling him the truth? I mean, if she wants to continue being in a relationship with him or having him in her life, she definitely had to tell him. Right. This isn't the only interaction that's going to happen where it's going to be weird that nobody remembers her. He's not just going to he's not just going to brush it off every time that it happens. Oh, that's weird. She may just not remember you. Right. From the six times that you guys have met in the past. For the 50th time three (laughs) years from now. Oh, oh. Addie, you don't remember Addie, my girlfriend that I've been with for the last 30 years? Right. We have a whole kid together. Right. Like, kind of like 50 first dates. You got to leave them a video. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, hey, this is my wife. This is when we got married. That'd be funny. And then as we are coming to a close on part three, Addie does something that I honestly never anticipated that she would do. She returns to her hometown of Vion. It is 1764, and it's been a whopping 50 years since she's embarked from her tiny little French village. I kind of put myself into her shoes. Personally, I feel like I wouldn't have been able to go back because I don't really know what I'm going back to. It's literally been 50 years. I feel like I would have gone back sooner. Really? Yeah. Like how soon? Like a year? Yeah, probably would have gone back and visited a couple times just to keep up with my fam. Fam can't remember me, but... I don't know. I'd like to see how they're doing. Yeah. 50 years is a long time for her to kind of stay away. Like, all of a sudden, she's like, hey, what's up? Like, I'm back. You guys don't remember me, but I remember it's your girl you. Addie. Right. And she ends up seeing her mom, which is really sad because her mom was kind of old. She finds out that her dad is gone. Why do you think that Addie decided to return home after all this time? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, that's an honest answer. We literally don't know. They, the author doesn't really explain why Addie chooses to do this all of a sudden. But I just feel like after 50 years, she was finally ready to permanently close that chapter in her mind, which feels really sad because she didn't get to see her dad for a final time. Mm-hmm. Her mom's grandma doesn't remember her. And it just it feels like she needed to go back so she could finally disconnect from that life that life is over it was over the moment that she she walked away from all of them mm-hmm. and there's no going back it's permanent she did knock on the door and her mother answered and she could tell based on the order of the house that it was like a wreck and her dad's shop was all in disarray that her dad wasn't there anymore and she considered telling her mom that she was somebody and hoping that her failing memory would just be like oh okay so that she could you know have that one last interaction but she decided not to right and i i feel like it just goes back to that poor relationship that they had i feel like Addie didn't owe her mom anything her mom was never a supportive person and i mean i know that that's how women were supposed to be they were supposed to be these compliant docile creatures who are homemakers, who do exactly what they're told, and they do exactly what they need to, and they shouldn't do any more, and they shouldn't do any less. Right. But at the same point, I mean, you don't have to have that mindset. So do you feel like it would have been different if she had gone back and it was her dad that was still there? Oh, yes. She would have been like, Papa. She would have 100% talked to her dad. Yeah. I, I know for a fact. She, Her dad was her best friend. Right. That's probably what breaks her heart, too, and, and like I said, kind of finalizes that chapter in her life. Mm-hmm. Is like, I'm sure she loves her mom. Mom's dead to me. (laughs) And that is actually where we end part three. If you'd like to follow us on social media, you can follow us at bestbudsbookclub.com. 
On our website, we have our different social medias linked and where you can also make recommendations to us about the next book that you want us to read. If you'd like to follow us on Instagram, it's going to be Best Buds Book Club Podcast. And if you'd like to follow us on Facebook, you can find us at Best Buds Book Club. And that's that. So until then, peace, love, and books. Bye. Bye.